From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. My name is Manish Kata, and with me today, I have a special guest, JC Peretz. And before I pass it to JC for the intro and, and toss some questions his way, I, I want to lay the land as to why he's even here. Uh, I grew up in this industry with uh, folks telling me about market commentary and, and keeping it vague, right? Never taking a stand, regurgitating things like what the S&P did for the week or what PMI was, literally just regurgitating information that's stale and already out there. And one of the things that attracted me to JC, I am a member of All Star Charts, which which he runs, is is the the, the cadence in which he delivers information, the the willingness to take a stand. And, and the passion to believe in kind of, you know, your art uh, and, and, and have that come through in your work. And I think the new age of asset management is going in this direction, you know, transparency, being able to stand behind well, what you think uh, versus the old guard, which, you know, sat behind a suit and tie, really didn't tell you anything, uh, but would more than gladly take your money. And so with that, uh, I want to toss it over to you, JC, just to introduce yourself quickly, how you got to start in the business, who are you and, and what you're about? Yeah, no, I, pre- I appreciate that intro. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I mean, listen, it's, it's an evolution like anything else. I mean, we could go on and on and on about so many parts of our lives, business or otherwise, that have evolved to what you see today that weren't necessarily the case a few decades ago or even way before that. You know, in the case of finance and technical analysis and old Wall Street suits, you know, they tend to be last to the party, right? That's just a circumstance of the industry, compliance, the whole thing. It, it takes uh, the suits a long, a long time. You know, fortunately, I was surrounded by some really smart folks, uh, some of my best friends early on in my career, you know, really influenced, you know, some of the decisions that I made. I found myself when I listened to them, it worked out. When I didn't listen to them, I wish I did. You know, those are the people that you want to, uh, you know, you want to pay attention to what they're doing. And that has definitely served me well, for sure. And then as far as the technical analysis is concerned, I mean, I think it's quite obvious when you get to know me a little bit, that this is just something that we love to do. Me, obviously, um, but the, the whole team. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, whether we got paid for this or not, whether we were a research firm or not, whether we traded or not. This is something that we like to do. What, you know, I can't imagine a world where I get up in the morning and check futures uh, and see where we are, what happened while I was sleeping. I, I can't imagine not doing that. Uh, I can't imagine on Saturday morning, you know, picking up the newspaper and reading that. Why would I do that? Why wouldn't I just rip through 100 charts from around the world? Like, you know, that I, it makes you so happy. Get my coffee. And so you start ripping through charts. I mean, it's man, what's better than that? No, I get it. And I, you know, I, I write a lot of commentary and where I, I openly tell people, you know, my screensaver is an image that says, just follow the price of dummy. And 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 the reason I have that is because a lot of times you can get into your own mind with all this nonsense and news. And, and sometimes it's just price. And so if you're sitting in front of a passive investor and and he's giving you the spiel about you know, Vanguard index funds, uh, buy and hold for life. What, what do you tell that person? What, what's your, what's your, what's your speech there? Listen, I think there's a time and a place for everything. I mean, just look at a compound interest chart over time and it's pretty freaking awesome. And you get that tail at the end. Uh, I mean, it's fantastic. And then when the market is down a certain amount, you double your monthly. So 
So understand what one strategy is. You know, the S&P 500, for example, is the greatest momentum strategy ever. It buys more of the best ones and it kicks out the worst ones, right? What's, that's a great strategy. So a strategy of putting, you know, and a lot of investors, this is perfectly, uh, this is perfect for, you know, every month you put in the same amount, you buy the S&P 500 every month, and then sometimes you're going to buy the high. That's just what it is. But you're also going to buy the low and you're going to buy everything in between. But the real magic is compound interest, right? I think it was Warren Buffett. He's like, compound interest is like, you know, man's greatest invention or something like that. Um, you know, and it's great. And that's one strategy, right? As long as you're consistent with it. And that's the other problem. Most people can't do it. Um, so that's one strategy. There's other strategies that you can implement an extra layer of risk management, you know, rather, you know, maybe you're not putting the same amount every month. Maybe you have a certain amount that, okay, fine. What am I going to do with this? You know, maybe look at a 10 month moving average. It can be as simple as that where you're long the market if you're above that 10-month moving average and you're not long the market or you're long bonds if we're below that because bad things happen, you know, when, when prices are below that. You can change that. You can create an exponential. Maybe you don't want to wait till the end of the month and you have like a 40-week moving average or maybe a 200-day moving average. That might be too noisy for you. So I think it really comes down to what are your personal objectives? What are you trying to accomplish? And one thing that, I've, that has always served me well when I figured, finally figured it out the hard way as, as the best lessons are learned is you start with the goal first. What's, what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And then you work your way backwards as opposed to, Hey JC, what stock should I buy? It's like, what? You know? <laughs> well, you know, uh, my, uh, I, trainers would always tell you the best workout and diet is the one that you can stick with. And I think it's no different when it comes to investing. Like, do you, whatever makes you happy, whatever reaches your goal, as long as you're willing to stick with it. And, and that's where I see the most, you know, um, egregious behavior happens where you're, you're all about passive. You're all about passive. You get a 40% drawdown and all of a sudden you want to put some risk management in place. And that's, that's the worst, right? The performance chasers that, that, that don't stick to a plan and don't have a goal. Um, so, look, you love charts. I love charts. This is kind of a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If there's one chart that that gives you an idea of the market or a sense of the market, uh, what would you uh, uh, what would you choose? One chart that gives me a good, you know, man, you're really you're really making it hard on me. One chart. You're talking to a guy that looks through thousands <laughs> of charts a week. You want me to take one? I chart? can answer that. I can answer that with one chart. Let, you want me to answer it first? I was going to say credit spreads. You tell me yours. Uh, NYSE breath. Okay, like what new high list? What what do you consider like uh, advanced advanced decline? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, it's just I, I've I talked to a lot of TAs and you know people test different things. Like let's look at the Russell three thousand or common stock only or, or all these different uh, ways to to tell the direction of the market. And it, it's always been. I mean, maybe I guess it's two charts, right? The the S and P and the breath uh, <laughs> in one chart for for divergences and whatnot. Now you're cheating. It's always, you're yeah, cheating I know now. I am cheating, but it's always been it's always been our, our, our kind of a, a go to. So credit spreads for you. Why? I mean, listen, it's, there, there's wisdom in the bond market. It's the biggest and baddest market, right? So all these cryptocurrencies, it's great. It's a cute story. I'm long Ethereum. No one's complaining here, uh, but they can all go to zero tomorrow. It's not going to matter. Right. Like it's not there's no global macro implications. Right. It's too small of a market still. It's getting bigger, but there's no real, real implications. There are all these SPACs and, you know, all these uh, NFTs and all these uh, uh, the meme stocks. Again, they can all go to zero. It's not going to matter. Right. Now, those are the things that get the most attention. But what really matters is the biggest market in the world. And that's the bond market. Right. So we're talking about 
the biggest financial institutions in the world, the banks, the hedge funds, you know, a, a lot of them that we cater to and we're proud of that and we're happy to help them. Um, you know, that's that's what's moving markets. It's not, you know, me buying uh, 10 Ethereum coins. It's, you know, the, the guys waking up in the morning being like, all right, we got a trillion dollars to put to work. Where should we go? And you could see that in the bond market, you know, just because they're so big. So there's a lot of information there. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Dan actually tossed me this question on Dow Theory. Um, you know, we have indicators built in uh, that, that track Dow Theory, mainly the movement in transports. And as you know, that came from the fact that railroads made up such a huge uh, portion of the stock market when, uh, you know, way back in the 1900s and whatnot. Um, does that still hold true? Uh, and uh, if anything, what uh, maybe uh, are you looking at as a replacement for transports since the world has kind of changed since then, or, or maybe it hasn't? Yeah, it's a great it's a great point. And we actually have something that we call new Dow theory, which includes semiconductors, right? Because listen, let's go back to the 1880s. What the original premise was is that you have the companies that make the goods and those are the industrial stocks. And then you have the companies that deliver the goods. And back then it was the railroad stocks. Then ultimately, with airlines and truckers and things like that, it became the transportation index as opposed to just railroads. But let's, you know, when a bunch of nerds uh, get together uh, over drinks, what do, what do us nerds argue about? Whether or not today's goods and services are being delivered through railroads and trucks or through the internet using semiconductors. And that's a very valid argument. Now, the truth is, I mean, who the hell am I to, to say which one's right? I would say that just look at both. And when you look back throughout history, sometimes it's the semis that are diverging that are giving the indicator. And sometimes it's the transports that are diverging and giving the indicator. So I encourage people to use both old school Dow theory and new school Dow theory. And now let's take a step back because Dow theory, this is the, this is the Dow theory tenant that gets all the attention, you know, industrials, transports, are they confirming or not? But the truth is, this is probably not even the top five most important Dow theory tenants because you might get a signal once every three years, three, four years, maybe if you're lucky, right? So let's talk about some of the other tenants of Dow Theory, things like closing prices are the most important. Things like markets trend. You have bull markets and you have bear markets. Uh, the market is a discounting mechanism that is discounting future events and looking out six, nine, maybe even 12 months into the future. All of those tenants are part of Dow theory. And in my opinion, more important than whether transports or railroads are confirming the industrials or not, you know, but again, like anything else, we want to use them all to our advantage. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the answer is just yes. Right. One of the books that I loved when I first started uh, back in 2001 was uh, John Murphy. Uh, intermarket analysis is built into everything we do. It's, a, it's hard to explain that sometimes to uh, financial advisors who aren't in the TA space because I'll show them an indicator on commodities and 30-year and total return or something, and they're scratching their head thinking, you know, what the hell does this have anything to do with the stock market? And so, you know, I, I think it, from following your work, it's, it's a big part of your work as well, right? Tracking the, the relationships or relative charts. Um, quickly, what do you, what's your thoughts? Like what intermarket analysis is obviously huge for you. Yeah. I mean, listen, you asked me what my favorite, what, what, if I had to take one chart, right. And you suck it to me. I told you credit spreads, right. Um, and why I credit spreads, because that's going to give me the information I need for the stock market. Right. So there's your intermarket analysis right there, but there's just so much information. You know, if you're not looking if, you know, if you're a participant in the stock market and you're not looking at OCN, like, what are you doing? You know, if you're in the bond market and you're not looking at the copper gold ratio, like, what are you doing? 
right? Like there's so many intermarket relationships that are so critical. Like, I don't know, I'll just give you one example. Going into the fourth quarter of 2018, when U.S. interest rates on the 10-year yield are getting above 3%, and it was like, this is it, this is it, this is it. Uh, you know, the end of a 40-year bear market or bull market in bonds, bear market in rates. You know, if you looked at the intermarket relationships, they were telling you the opposite. So with new highs in rates into like late September, early October of 2018, you were getting lower highs in the copper gold ratio. You were getting regional banks underperforming real estate investment trusts. You know, these are intermarket relationships that historically trade tick for tick with interest rates that were making lower highs while the U.S. 10-year yield was, you know, breaking out, quote unquote, to new highs. They were saying, they were, you're saying that this is fugazi, right? They're like, no, oh. So, and then what happened, right? Uh, the, the interest rate rolled over and bonds ripped, you know, stocks rolled over. And there were a lot of other divergences at the time, but that was just, you know, one that was just very, very like eye-opening. Another one, you know, you go back to a year ago, right? Go back to Mar uh, February, late January, early February of 20, uh, 2020. Again, a lot of breakdowns in international markets, uh, breath deterioration. You talked about breath. You know, the new 52-week high list was rolling over. Um, you know, small caps weren't making new highs. Mid caps weren't making new highs. Micro caps weren't making new highs. Transports, to your earlier point, were not making new highs. Uh, all these international markets, emerging markets, had already topped and were rolling over. Most of them had peaked in January of 2018. So monster divergences on both short-term and long-term timeframes. I mean, I've been arguing since then that there was more evidence warning of a crash than any other crash in market history. Yeah, if if you were looking at air market analysis, otherwise you would probably just you know wonder why it happened and or breath pandemic and blame it on the pandemic. And that's or that's breath, the thing, though. you know. Yeah, that's true. And 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 what we fight in the advisor community is is the question. It's always you know people always look at the headlines and say, well, oh, the market went down because of the pandemic. Maybe maybe that pushed it over. But frankly, you know there were signs ahead of it, and that's always the case. Um, with if you're following TA and, and following price, there's no need to, to necessarily follow anything else. Um, and, and that's why the, the follow the price dummy is, is just my, my go to kind of uh, screensaver there. So um, and even now, if you look at the past, you know, six, nine months, Dan, and I were talking about this today with the sector relatives, you know, in terms of the defensives relative to the S&P. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, recently it kind of turned and bounced a little bit. But prior to that, I mean, the story was, you know, the bull market story was was obvious because it, no one was buying any of those. None of those could catch a bid relative to the S&P. You know, you look at TLT, gold is a, is a shit sandwich these days. All of it, it all, you know, Yen. real estate, utilities. Um, I don't look at currencies as much as you do, but actually since following your work, I am uh, starting to poke my head in there a little bit more. The um, data. Yeah, no, I just, it's never been in, you know, kind of my cup of tea, but I know I need to, you know, expand on that. So um, one of the things that the folks might not know about you is uh, uh, sommelier, uh, <laughs> which I'm, by the way, I, I use, uh, and tell me if this is crap or not, but I use wine text uh, from Gary V. Um, and it's because I go to the wine store and it's always the same five choices, right? And so with this, at least I get this text and maybe it's, you tell me if you've even heard about it, maybe these, these things are good or not. And I think the biggest struggle people have is how to, how to choose a good bottle of wine. And I bet you get so many DMs like, Hey, what do you think about this wine or, or whatnot? And so any ties to, to the market, to TA, or, or is it, it's just completely separate? No, I, there's so many, uh, I mean, I, I, it's, 
it becomes quite obvious like when I'm there, like when I'm wearing my, so I'm a certified sommelier for those listening. So I, um, you know, blind tasting and all that stuff. You have to guess what the wine is and how old and all those things. Written exam, there's a service exam. You got to open up champagne properly, all these things. Anyway, uh, so I, I, I did pass uh, in, two, in early 2020. So I am a certified sommelier. So, um, you know, as soon as I, I started taking wine more seriously, like in 2016, 2017, I started taking wine more seriously. And I realized right away, particularly through the Court of Master Sommeliers, that they use what it, they call a deduct, the deductive method. This is the deductive method of identifying what type of wine uh, it is. So, for example, if you're looking at a white wine and the white, the, it's not red, then you know it's not a Cabernet Sauvignon. It's not a Syrah. It's not, right, a Grenache. You know it because it's a white wine. Right, and if it's yeah. a if it's a red wine, you know it's not a Sauvignon Blanc, it's not a Chardonnay, because it's a red wine. So boom, you can already eliminate a whole another thing. Then you look at the wine, and it's like, wow, look at the viscosity in this thing. So it's probably not a Pinot Noir. Um, it's probably not a Cunoir. Noir. It's probably it could be a Cabernet Sauvignon, it could be a Sangiovese, something bigger. And then you smell it, then you taste it, you start checking off others. Oh, it can't be that because it doesn't taste like that. Oh, it can't be that. So now you're only left with two or three. Right, so they use what's called a deductive method. We do the same thing. If a stock's making a new high, well, we know it's not in a downtrend, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. right? And then we start deducing from there. And I'm like, wow, these 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 are technical analysts. I even wrote a blog post about it like five years ago or something, like four years ago when I first started uh, getting into. It. I was in Reno, Nevada, believe it or not. Um, and then also how humbling it is, right? You know, the market is very humbling. As soon as you're like, oh, I got this thing down, you get punched right in the face, right? Same thing with the blind taste. And you're like, oh, my God, this is definitely a Chateauneuf du Pop. I've had a million of these. This is what this is definitely Chateauneuf du Pop. And then it ends up being like a Sonoma Pinot Noir. It's like, what? How is that possible? Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, the market. I mean, that's that's especially if you're following a lot. I mean, that's the one thing that I've learned. I'm 41 now in my early years. You know, I thought I was. Um, you know, the greatest thing ever in terms of hitting a hitting a couple trades and then then you get your ass handed to you and it's like, you know, it's 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 humble pie. And so you and that's like, you know, ultimately all, all these things are, are fine and dandy, but everything comes down to risk management, you know, knowing your goal and, and making sure at least to me, you know, managing that risk. So, um, you know, we end this show with a recommendation off the cuff, just something that uh, uh, you've tried recently in your life that maybe someone else um, would benefit from. I'll go first and toss it to you. I, I tweeted this the other day and got a little bit of backlash. Um, I got four kids under four. My life has changed dramatically from the years prior. Um, and so time just isn't there, right? Between running a business, 11 employees, wife, four kids. So I go to Target the other day to buy paper towels and I'm, I'm, I'm driving through the aisle or, or with the cart. And I, I passed the clothes section and, and I'll admit it, I walked in, I ended up buying, you know, a, a pretty good wardrobe. And as I'm leaving the place, I'm like, man, my dad game has really gone to the next level. If I'm starting to, to pile clothes from Target, look, it's a, it's kind of a half-assed recommendation. They have some nice stuff. Obviously, you know, probably fashion forward people are going to poo poo it, but look, you know, if you're, if you're on your, on your way there anyway, you're going to spend $500 no matter what, right? You might as well add a, add a couple of clothes to it. So, um, anyway, that's it for me. What, uh, what do you got? Anything new in your life that you want to recommend to the folks? Anything new in my life? You want to know, uh, just, uh, maybe, you know, 
think I've been thinking about my health uh, a lot more. Um, you know, the whole run around living in New York City, you know, happy hours, TV in Midtown, meeting downtown, back up to Midtown for happy hour, piano bar in the Upper East Side till two in the morning. Like I ran that rat race. I did that. Right. And I wasn't as as aware and concerned about you know the way i was living as as much as i should have granted i was a lot younger then i have to your point i have a wife and now a baby an eight month old so i'm not at your level of four kids but i am sort of in your uh, uh stratosphere if you will and um you know uh i i really think two things i getting out there and running uh, i was a pitcher and throughout college and and growing up cuban from miami baseball player can you imagine that so I was, uh, I, I was a pitcher, and pitchers, when you're not pitching, you're running. And when you're done running, you run some more. I mean, that's just what it is. So I've always had the ability to do that. You know, I've done a few half marathons. I like listening to podcasts while I run. Makes me feel good. And then also, you know, staying away from the sugar. You know, fortunately, wine doesn't have that much sugar. So that's really a big, that's my sugar intake, really. You know, eat a lot of protein, a lot of eggs, a lot of chicken, fish, shrimp, steaks, ribs. Um, you mentioned before, you know, diet, the best diet is the one you can stick to. Listen, any diet where I can have a ribeye and ribs and chicken wings every night, like <laughs> that's, that ain't bad, man. I could do that. Yeah. Wait till, wait till kid gets, uh, gets older and you're hungry passing their little snack tray. It, it changes, uh. It'll test you. It'll test you. Um, so, uh, all right. Well, look, I, uh, for those who want to follow JC, All Star Charts uh, is the name of uh, his company. They put out a lot of great content for free, but don't be cheap. Support him and, and pay for the premium content. There's monthly charts. There's a lot of good stuff. Like I said, full disclosure, you know, uh, we follow him just to, you know, get an idea of the work. Also, uh, I think uh, there's a podcast as well, uh, All Star Charts Technical Analysis. Is that correct? Yep, you know, search on iTunes for All Star Charts, um, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Stock Twits, Clubhouse at All Star Charts, YouTube at All Star Charts. Uh, go to AllStarCharts.com. Say what's up. If you have any questions, ping me. If you just want to say hi, that's cool too. And a wine recommendation, yeah, we'll, sure. <laughs> we'll put it all on the um, on the show notes as well. And when our, once our team gets to gets to post, so let's wrap this up. Thank you, everyone. You know, obviously our YouTube channel has been blowing up because of the support of everyone. Uh, subscribe, smash the like, like button, continue to support us. We love you. Thank you for the partnership. JC, thank you for your time. I appreciate you. Yeah, man, anytime. Keep up the good work. Thanks. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.